I remember at my 30th birthday party, which was obviously quite some time ago now, my sister saying to me, Tom, your friends are all so different from each other. And I thought, yeah, I guess they are. And theoretically, that's a beautiful thing. But it does occasionally make for slightly tense social circumstances. And I remember a few years ago being sat at a party. And I was sat down, and there were people on either side of me. And on one side of me was a vegetarian hunter. And on the other side of me was a meat-eating animal rights activist. I did get that round the right way. The vegetarian was the hunter. And um, although I was great friends with both of them, they didn't really like each other that much. And, um, and I remember the, the animal rights um, activist who had... She, she got to an age where, you know, you get to an age and you think you can say things loudly and pretend it's because you're slightly hard of hearing when you're not at all. And, uh, and she was saying to me, Tom, I don't know how you can sit by that person. They kill animals. What are you sat by them for? And I felt so awkward as I sat there. And I thought to myself, oh, what do I do? So I was saying things like, oh, weather's been nice recently, hasn't it? Or what, what are you up to at the weekend? I don't know how you can sit there sat next to them. How can you look at them? How can you talk to them? Having a diverse friendship group is wonderful in theory, but in practice, it can be really quite awkward sometimes. Uh, and, and Jesus knew himself that having a diverse circle of people around you could be really, really awkward on occasions. And we're going to look at one of those occasions today. If you've been hanging around with us for any length of time, you'll know that we're looking at the book of Mark in the Bible at the moment. So we're in Mark chapter 2, and we're just going to look um, at a few verses and see how Jesus deals with people that are completely different from each other. So in Mark chapter 2, verse 13, verses 13 and 14 to start with, it says, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now, Levi was not a good fit with the rest of many, certainly many of the rest of Jesus' followers. He wasn't a natural fit with the other people that Jesus was hanging around with. You see, at this time, Israel was not a free country. It was occupied by the Romans. And if people hate being invaded, people hate even more people from their own side who collaborate with the occupiers. And being a tax collector didn't make Levi unpopular just because actually tax collectors quite often are unpopular. It made Levi wildly unpopular because in the eyes of many people, Levi was a collaborator with the baddies. I don't know if any of you are into, um, into war films or military history. For anybody that is, you will know that collaborators always, always, always are in the firing line once a country is freed. Um, there's some really horrific photos from the end of the Second World War from France and from Holland that show French collaborators with the Nazis and Dutch collaborators with the Nazis being taken out by their neighbours and shot. 
If you've watched a films or series of films, Band of Brothers, there's an awful scene in there, which is really true to life, of women being dragged out in the street by their neighbours, women who collaborated with the Nazis, and having their hair hacked off with scissors in the street to utterly, utterly humiliate them. People hate people that collaborate with the enemy. And for some of Jesus' followers, they were anticipating that Jesus was coming to get rid of the Romans, not to make friends with Roman collaborators. We see that later on in Mark. People thinking that when Jesus comes along, he's going to lead some huge great armed rebellion and kick the Romans out. So when Jesus walks up to Levi, who's not hiding what he's doing, he's sat in his tax-collecting booth and says to him, follow me. Jesus isn't just adding somebody else to his gang. Jesus is walking up to somebody who many of Jesus' own followers would have been absolutely certain was on the wrong side and saying, there's a place for you in our gang. There's a place for you in the family that I am creating. There's a place for you despite the fact you might feel like you don't fit in, despite the fact you might think that you've got very little in common with my followers, there is a place for you. Jesus walks up to Levi and says, follow me. And Levi got up and followed Jesus. Interestingly, when Jesus meets Levi, he doesn't say to Levi, believe in me. He doesn't say to Levi, pray to the Father. He says to Levi, follow me. The implication, and we see that worked out throughout the rest of Mark and the other stories of Jesus' life, is that Jesus was saying to Levi, I'm not keeping you on the outside. I'm bringing you in to the inside. You might look like you don't fit. You might have done stuff that actually... Maybe it would have been better if you hadn't done, but you're in. Jesus doesn't walk up to Levi and say, well, you can come and hang around at the back for a while if you want. He walks up to Levi and he says to him, follow me. He sees the state that Levi is in. Jesus sees him in his booth. It's not hidden. He sees Levi as he is. And he doesn't say, reform yourself first. He doesn't say, sort yourself out first. He walks up to Levi and he says, follow me. Jesus takes him just as he is. And that's Jesus' pattern then and now. That's the story that some of you can testify to in your own life. Jesus walks up to us as we are now, before we've been able to polish anything up, before we've been able to pretend that we're all sorted. He walks up to us just as we are and says, follow me. I've been claiming to follow Jesus for some considerable time now, and I still don't get everything right. In fact, we've been hanging around together, some of us, for long enough to know now. You know I don't get everything right. And yet Jesus is still walking up to me 
and he is still walking up to you, however polished or unpolished our lives are, and saying to us, follow me. Follow me. You know, a few years after this incident took place, when Jesus called Levi, and Levi got up and followed him, one of the early Christian leaders, a guy called Paul, who wrote great chunks of the New Testament of the Bible, he was trying to explain how this is just part of the characteristic of God. It's what God is like. He takes us as we are. And he wrote a letter to Rome, to some believers in Jesus there, and he put it like this. He said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we'd done any polishing up of our lives, before we'd been able to try and hide what goes on in our backstage, just like we are, whether we've never known Jesus, or we've known him for five minutes, or we've known him for 50 years, before we had been able to do anything to offer him, God walks up to us in his love and says, follow me. When I was thinking about my own 30th birthday, I remembered another 30th birthday that I'd been to around the same time. And I've spent a large chunk of my life um, in a Somerset village. You'll probably be able to hear that just occasionally as I talk. And um, there's some sort of parties that you can really only have out in deepest Somerset. And, and this was one of those. And uh, by the time I arrived, um, a lot of cider had already been drunk. And um, there was a guy that turned up with a banjo. And, um, and within about five minutes or so, they'd already been moved on from one pub. Um, within about five minutes or so, he was on the table playing his banjo, stood on it. And um, in, in, in my previous job, I worked part of the time in a behavior unit in a secondary school. And um, so I don't think I'm that shockable. But the songs that he was singing with his banjo, I don't think I understood what half those words meant. And the words that I did understand, I thought to myself, oh, I'm not really sure that I, I'm going to sing along with this. Well, that was fine until a woman walked in with her parents, and it was a woman I'd met at church the week before while I was doing the talk. And I thought to myself, how on earth do I explain that I'm in the middle of all of this? I can't pretend I'm not here. I'd li I like to pretend I've got nothing to do with these songs being sang. So I went over and said a big hi to them, and as we were talking, I sort of tried to move further and further away from the action. I couldn't pretend I wasn't part of it, um, and I, you know, I wanted to be there. I'd chosen to be there. But you know, for Jesus, there was tension in inviting people in from the outside to the inside, and we see that in Mark as well. We see Jesus having to deal with that. Jesus, um, you get a little insight here as how he, how he takes Levi straight onto, into the inside. Um, in verse 15, it says... Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, 
Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners and collaborators with the baddies, they may well have added. And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus took Levi straight onto the inside. He went round to his house to have dinner with him. That's not, you can hang around with us for a while if you like, at the back. Jesus took Levi straight onto the inside. That was it. Levi was in the family. And other people watching thought, but this guy's a baddie. He's a collaborator. He's probably making money that he shouldn't be from tax collecting as well as collecting what he should be. But Jesus took Levi, despite seeing all his outward flaws and failings, he took him onto the inside. And that is my story, and that is many of our stories, that Jesus says to us, despite all our flaws and all our failures, follow me. Follow me. Levi was sat in his tax collecting booth. Jesus saw him as he was, and he looks at him and says, follow me. And we can hear Jesus talking to Levi and think, yeah, but Levi hadn't actually done the stuff that I've done. Because as humans, we're a curious mixture of both being very proud on occasions, maybe this is just me, and thinking to myself, I don't need any help. And then on other occasions, in the same brain, possibly even within the same five minutes, I think to myself, yeah, but I'm not quite good enough. I managed to do both of those things. I managed to both be the person that writes myself off and the person that thinks I've got it sorted within, like, within the same thought pattern. But Jesus sees the whole of my thought patterns, proud and writing myself off and thinking I'm good enough and thinking I'm not good enough and seeing what I allow other people to see and seeing my backstage, he looks at it all and he says, Follow me. Follow me. It's like he's saying, you're in. You're in. There's not an apprenticeship. You're in. There's not two levels to this thing. You're half in and you're half out. He looks at us like we are and says, you're in. Follow me. And just as a little aside... Britain at the moment feels particularly broke. Britain at the moment feels like we've got a particularly massive load of problems. But there is something beautiful that the church can offer Britain right at this very moment. That Jesus takes people of wildly differing opinions and knits them together in one family. And it doesn't mean that we all lose our opinions and we all think, oh, I'm just going to abandon what I think is right. But Jesus takes people of wildly differing opinions and knits them into one family. And as you watch your disciples throughout the book of Mark, we see that actually all the disciples' opinions change because neither side is proved right, but actually they're all dragged, encouraged, like, I guess more like a magnet by Jesus, pulling them towards himself. They're all transformed 
more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And I truly believe that's something prophetic, that's something marvellous that we can offer Britain today, that Jesus takes people of wildly differing opinions and knits them together in one family. Jesus didn't keep Levi on the outside, and he doesn't keep you on the outside. Those of us who think to ourselves, yeah, but Tom, if you actually knew some of the stuff that I'd done, Jesus can't actually be interested in me because I've mucked up too much or I've shown interest too many times and gone cold. He must be bored of me, me doing that. Or who think God couldn't call somebody as compromised as I am to follow him. The story of Jesus again and again and again with people of wildly differing backgrounds, some of whose lives looked outwardly like they were quite together, and some of whose lives were all over the place. The story of Jesus again and again, down the ages, is follow me. He sees us like we are, and he says, follow me. You know, that wasn't the last time that we come across Levi in the book of Mark. It wasn't the last time we come across Levi in the Bible. He actually had another name. His other name was Matthew. The first story of Jesus' life in the Bible, there's four different accounts of Jesus' life, is named Matthew. Same guy. Matthew followed Jesus. Church tradition tells us that Matthew lost his life for following Jesus. That moment when Jesus said to Levi, to Matthew, follow me, and Levi followed him, it was the beginning of a man who'd previously abandoned his principles for cash, becoming a highly principled new man with a transformed life. This guy that looked like he was right on the outside that other people were saying, what do you want to hang around with a guy like that for? His life was transformed and he became a pillar on which Jesus built his church. Jesus takes those of us who feel like we're most on the outside, who've written ourselves off, who feel like we've tried this before and we've mucked up, or we've already mucked up so badly he wouldn't be interested in us, and he makes us knew. Jesus said to Levi, and he says to you, and he says to me, follow me. You may never have encountered Jesus before. You may have known him for years and years. You may have had more new starts than you can possibly count up, or you may have never accepted a new start because you think, If he truly knew what I was like, he wouldn't take me. He looks at us all in the state that we're in, and he says, follow me. What would it look like tomorrow morning if when you're at work, you hear those words of Jesus in your heart? Follow me. What would it look like when you look in the mirror and think all those thoughts you think about yourself? You hear Jesus say, follow me.
What would it look like for you if, like Levi, when we hear those words for the first time or for the hundredth time, we get up and we follow Jesus? What would it look like to let Jesus speak into those areas of our lives where we feel most insecure and most unattractive and know that in spite of that, he says, follow me.